The Apostle Paul said to his apprentice Timothy, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure has come. What do you say when your time has come to an end? A preacher friend of mine, Jerry Barber, has taught many preachers throughout the years that one of the things that preachers should say to their congregation when they're leaving a work are some of the things that we need to say when we're passing from this earth. And what he uses is this thing called the five acts of dying. This is not original to him. It's something that you can find online. I'm not sure the original source, but I think it's healthy. I think it's good. I think it's biblical. The words that we say as we are passing from one life to the next, or maybe from one stage of our life to the next, are this. First of all, forgive me. Second of all, I forgive you. Third, thank you. Fourth, I love you. Fifth, goodbye. And so to this congregation, I want to first of all say to you, forgive me. I haven't been the perfect preacher. I haven't been the perfect brother. You have been so patient with us. We are so thankful, so thankful that you have have showered us with love and forgiveness so many times. And if there's someone here this morning that that maybe has some type of grudge or animosity towards us, let's solve it this morning. Let's make sure we reconcile today. The second one, I forgive you. I hope you've seen through my ministry that that's the disposition I want to have towards you. That I want to have a relationship where there's no bitterness, where there's no grudges. There are no grudges that I have against anyone here. And so know that. Know that. that I, I love this congregation. I have nothing against you. But I pray for nothing but the best for this congregation and its future. Third, thank you. I could go on and on on this one. Thank you for the way that you have loved my family. Thank you for supporting me in my work, in my ministry. Thank you for encouraging me along the way. Thank you for complimenting me when I was straight out of school. I was holding on to these pulpits, showing my white knuckles to everyone around. Thank you for being there for us in times of grief. Thank you for rejoicing with us. Thank you for being so generous and kind in every step of the way. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Fourth, I love you. I really do. I love you from the bottom of my heart. And just know that us moving isn't because we don't love you. Isn't because we don't like you. Instead, that's what has made this process so difficult. The question keeps popping up in our heads. How can we leave a people that we love so very much? I love you. And finally, goodbye. And that last one, I hope, is true. If you think about that word, goodbye, 
It means good parting. We don't want a bad bye. We want a good bye. We want to say we love you and goodbye. And we hope to see you again. We will miss you tremendously. We will miss you so very much. And we just thank you for being a part of our lives and blessing us in such an amazing way these past 11 years. What I hope for all of us is not only will we have a, a good bye when it comes to this ministry, when it comes to this church, but I want all of us to be able to have a good bye when we leave this earth. And I know most of us don't want to think about the end of our life. As a 33-year-old, I certainly do not want to think about the end of my life. However, that's the race that's set before us. And as we think about the race that is set before us, let us understand it's not how you start. It's not about how hard you run in the middle. It's about how you finish when it comes to your walk with God. That is what is most important. It's not how you start. It's about how you finish. And here Paul is telling his, his apprentice, Timothy, the time has come. The time has come for me to leave this earth. And he says, in that context, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, or to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You think about Paul? His race didn't start off right. He was an enemy of the church, a persecutor of the church of the living God. I think all of us would say Paul was someone who finished strong. He finished strong. He finished the race. He fought the good fight. He kept the faith through it all. And he was looking forward to that one day when, when the Lord would come and he would be able to have this victor's crown. That he would have a reward for the life that he lived. And that reward is God forever in eternity. To have eternal life with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you, will you finish strong? The thing is about the scriptures is we find a lot of evidence that there are people that don't finish strong. A lot of people in the scriptures did not finish strong at all. There's a professor in Fuller Theological Seminary out in California. His name was Dr. J. Clinton. Um, I can't remember his last name. Robert Clinton. There we go. That was his last name. Dr. J. Robert Clinton. He analyzed leaders in the Bible, whether it were Old Testament patriarchs, whether it were priests, whether it be prophets, whether it be New Testament apostles, disciples. He looked at all of these, these people and found a thousand people. Now some of them, they just gave the names, so they couldn't really analyze very much. But he narrowed it down to about 49 that he could tell, this is how they lived their life and this is how they finished. And this is what he found, that 30%, 30% finished well. 30%, only 30% ran strong through the finish line. I think many of us can think about those, those people who did finish strong, like Abraham, 
and Joshua and Paul, Peter and Stephen and Daniel. But that's just 30%. The vast majority, 70%, did not finish strong. You think about leaders like Eli and Saul, Hezekiah and Demas, Gideon and Jehoshaphat, Jonah, Asa, Judas Iscariot, Himenaeus and Alexander, who said they had their faith shipwrecked. I know some of you who maybe don't know the Bible very well, these names don't mean much to you, but just start reading the Bible and ask the question, who actually finished strong? Who finished the, the way that God designed them to finish? Who ran across that finish line? And who fell right before they crossed over? A lot of people in Scripture did not finish strong. And the question for us is, will we finish strong? Will we run through the finish line for ourselves? I know there are a lot of distractions in our world that might distract us from from living for God. I know there's a lot of of experiences that we go through in this life that that might make us bitter towards other people, and it might make us want to just forget about the church. I know that some of you go through just tremendous trials and, and at times your faith wavers and, and you're thinking about giving up. There's a lot of things that would prevent us from finishing strong. But I want to encourage you this morning, finish strong. I know there are difficulties in your life. I know people have hurt you. I know religion has hurt you. But don't give up on Jesus. Keep pursuing Jesus and His righteousness. Keep going after His kingdom and living for Him. Don't give up. Finish strong. And I think, I can think of no greater way to honor Bethany and I and our family and our time here with you all. I can think of no better way to honor us than for you to live out the gospel. The gospel that we have taught and hopefully the gospel that you have seen in our lives. There's no greater honor for us than for you to finish strong, to live out the good news of Jesus, and to never quit, not even to the very end. And Paul speaks about this in his letter several times as he's talking to the people that he has brought to the faith. The first place I wanted to read was from Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. He's talking to the Philippian congregation. He says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. You're going to be different than the world. The world's going to want to pull you down. Shine like lights. Then he says, verse 16, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain, or labor in vain. He says, finish strong. Finish strong till the day of Christ so that all the work I did among you will not be in vain. And then moving over to the the book of of 1 Thessalonians. Paul speaks here to a congregation who was under a, a tremendous amount of tribulation. So much so that when Paul left them, he wondered if there was anyone going to hold on to their faith while he was gone. So he says to them in chapter 3 and verse 5, he says, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith. For fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, 
and our labor would be in vain. He was worried that they had gone back into the world. They had allowed the, the, the persecutions and the temptations of Satan to draw them away from the faith that he had taught. And that that would make it where his labor among them had been in vain. Look just a chapter earlier, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20 say this, For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you, for you are our glory and joy? Here, what Paul is doing is he's saying, I can't wait to get to heaven to spend it with you. You are our joy. You are a reason for boasting. You are our glory, our crown. We are so excited about you being with us in eternity. Now, some of us might look at that and say, well, why is Paul putting so much stock in the eternities of other people? Why does he not want to labor in vain? Why is that such a fear in his heart? Shouldn't Paul just be content with his own salvation and then just move on? Why does he have so much invested in these group of people? So much invested in their eternal life before God. Why is that? I truly believe the reason is, is because that's what the gospel demands. And the good news about Jesus demands us to have a heart for other people. It's easy to focus on ourselves. But when we look at the love of Christ, when we look at what He did to give us salvation, that through the Word of God, that everyone who believes that they can have the power unto salvation, that if they submit to Christ, they can have the grace of God. That should be something that we don't just want for ourselves, but we want for every single person. And if you think about the love of Christ, the love of Christ is defined as, as this idea that it's a self-sacrificing love. One that says, I will lay my life down for you, for your benefit, for your own good. That's the love that we see in Christ when He goes to the cross. And if we have the love of Christ dwelling in us, that has got to be our focus too. Our focus has to be, I'm going to lay my life down for the sake of other people. And I think it's natural. It's natural for all of us. If we have worked with a group of people for a certain amount of time, if we have laughed with them and we have grieved with them, if we have worked side by side with them, I think there's that tendency where, where we have a lot of vested interest in their eternal life. And for me, my joy, my glory, my reason for boasting on the day of judgment will be that, that people here are in heaven. That I played a small part and made an eternal difference in your life. And I hope on that same day that you'll have a reason for boasting and joy and glory too. Because you'll look at my life and you'll look at my wife's life. You'll look at my children's and you can say, we had an eternal difference on them. We made a difference in their lives. And I hope that we all can share that joy together. Share that glory together for all eternity. That's what it's about. It's about eternity with God forever. Eternity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I believe if you keep working, 
if you keep serving, if you keep fighting the good fight against Satan, if you keep close to the Lord, I have no doubt that I will see you in eternity. And the reason I have that confidence is because of the faithfulness of God. Because God is faithful. Look with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Here Paul is saying a prayer for these these members that he loves so much. He said, verse 3, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And he says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. He looks at this congregation and he says, God began a work within you when I preached the gospel. And I know that he is able to bring it to completion. That he is able to bring it to completion on the last day. And look at chapter 2 and verse 12. We get a little bit more of the story. He says there in verse 12, chapter 2, verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's still work for us to do. There's still obedience for us to have in our life. We should have this reverence for God where we're wanting to obey Him and serve Him as best as we can. So there's some, there's some aspect where we have to, to join God. But notice here, verse 13, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. In other words, if you keep running that race of life with God, if you keep obeying, you keep serving Him, you keep worshiping the Lord and serving Him alone, that we know that we have God's help on our side. We know that He will see us through, that He can, can take us from point A to point B, that He can take us from where we are to eternal life with Him forever. God will see you through. God's faithfulness will be with you. If you just lean on Him, He'll help you every single step of the way. I remember Rick Holden, uh, who used to do a lot of running, uh, told me one time, he said, do you, know, do you know the secret of running long distance? No, I don't. His answer, well, you've got to start running and just not stop. It's basic, we laugh at it, but it's true. And that's what it is in our race with God. We start running with God, we receive His grace, we receive His forgiveness, and we just can't stop. And the thing is, along the way, when there's hurdles in our way, when we get tired and fatigued, when it's hard to persevere, when people want to get us off that track, we have the confidence that we have the strength to go to the very end. Not because we're great, not because we're perfect. Not because we do everything right. No, because God is with us every single step of the way. Through God's help, we all, we all can finish strong. So let me encourage you this morning. Finish strong. Finish strong in our absence. Keep growing in your faith. Keep serving. Keep forgiving. Pursue holiness. Strive to reach your neighbor. 
Keep your heart away from idols and serve the one true God. Keep being focused on Jesus and run after Him. And if you can do that, if I can do that, then we can enjoy eternity together. We will miss you all tremendously. Our time here on earth is short. But the blessedness that comes from the gospel is the reality that, yeah, we might be apart for a certain period of time, but one day we will be together forever. Finish strong, brothers and sisters. Finish strong. Dear God, our Father, you have begun work within so many of us through the gospel. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to keep running and never quit. It doesn't matter how we start or how we run in the middle, but it matters how we finish. Help us all to finish strong. Knowing that, that we don't know when the end of our life will be, and that right now in this moment we need to be close to you. We need to be working. We need to be serving. We need to be living for Jesus. I pray, Lord, if there might be someone here that hasn't started that journey, that they'll do that this morning. They'll start that race with you and that they will never quit. Through the temptations, through the difficulties, through the trials, through how other people treat them, that they will keep running the race of life, the race with you, and they will finish strong as well. But help us all, Lord. Keep running. Help us all, Lord, to never quit. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to respond to this good news. Jesus laid down his life for you, for your eternal life. We'd love to assist you putting Christ on in baptism this morning to start that race, to fight the good fight, to keep the faith for the rest of your life. Or maybe there's someone here this morning that needs extra encouragement, extra prayers, whatever it may be. Let us help you along this race. Let us help each other to finish strong. And if we do so, we have this beautiful promise here in 2 Timothy 4. It says, not only will Paul receive that crown, that victor's crown, but all of us, everyone who loves Jesus appearing, receive that crown one day. If you have any need, please come forward. So we stand and sing this invitation song.